This is the Randomer Nintendo Podcast, episode 25 for... When's this going up? Uh, tomorrow? Tomorrow. Today? Tomorrow. So that would be... For August 30th. Yeah. 2023. Calendars. Yes, I am your host, Kevin, for this episode. And to my virtual left, as always, is Jason. Hello. To it my virtual right is uh, also no me. one. Angel... Also me. It's a full circle. Comes back to me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Angel's MIA. We lost Angel... In the woods, maybe about a week ago. The angel has fallen. The angel has fallen. Gerard Butler is somewhere out there trying to find him. <laughs> we have a, we have even a, we have mediocre, a White House down situation going on here, yeah. Even mediocre B-list uh, stars. I, I don't want to be mean to Gerard Butler. He's He seems like an all right guy. Yeah, he's apparently a very nice guy, yeah. But, um, but Gerard Butler uh, can't find him, so. Yeah, so we basically have to do a two-man. It's the return of uh, JK, as we called it the last time. It was just us. Yeah, JK with Jason and Kevin. So yes. it's episode 25 for the Randomer and Nintendo podcast, but it's episode two for JK with Jason and Kevin. And it's episode number one for what's going to be your favorite podcast by the time you're done listening to this. Am I right? And let's not. <laughs> Am I saying the bar let's way not too high? <laughs> let's not, let's not overpromise. If we've... Uh, how many, uh, ever since I joined, how many duo episodes has there been? Ah, uh, not a ton. I, um, I, I think I missed the randomer. You, I, think. I think you might miss the randomer. You definitely missed some of the old school random Nintendos. And I think we did a, I think Angel and I did a version of JK where it was just, or no, 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 that's not true. It was you and Angel. Oh, yeah, so, we did yeah. uh What yeah. did we do? Crap, I forgot what uh, we called It that. had a clever name. Not as clever as JK. I want to call it, I want to call it AK-47. Yeah, I think but, yeah, I think it was something like that. For SEO reasons. Yeah, for SEO reasons we didn't, but I think, I think in the description we said, like, we were going to call it AK-47, but I don't remember. Uh, I could find it. We could all just listen to me scroll through our website. That, that'd be a fun time. Yeah, just go through go through that real quick. But, yeah, it was, um, let's see. I think there's never been a Do combo. we have a Facebook page? We don't, weirdly. Rated KA, kids to adult. Rated, there we go. Yeah. Rated K, K yeah. A. And that was actually before JK. So you guys soloed it. Oh, first it was me and Angel. We did the Angel and Jason Power Hour. This is That's in the right. Nintendo category. Nintendo has been Angel and me before. Then it was Rated KA, which was you two. And then you and I, you know, saved the best for last. JK with Jason and Kevin was the third of the set. So, again, right. I'm saying That's a right. really high, high bar, saying best for last. But, yeah. Right. Uh, when's the last time that you like legitimately used Facebook? Uh, does Messenger count? Like no. Okay, real because Facebook? I, I feel like you can get away with using Messenger without really ever touching Facebook. Yeah. So I use Facebook products. I'm on Instagram all the time. But yeah, Facebook as a service, I open it almost daily because they make that little badge icon pop up. I don't know. Well, again, a soapbox. I don't know how many people have seen this happen, but about six months ago. The Facebook app started randomly putting the on an iPhone the little badge icon that you have a notification. It would do it like once a day, twice a day. And when you open it and go to your notifications, just some random thing like, hey, it's it's Kenny's birthday. It's like, okay. Or, hey, did you see that like Bob posted a thing? And it's like, no, I didn't. But there's no way to turn off – unless you turn off the badge notification entirely. There's no way to turn off that little like, hey, here's a thing. We're going to put a number on your app icon. So for that and that alone, I've logged into Facebook daily. I've, they are juicing their numbers, mm. and I'm helping their daily active user count. In terms of engaging on Facebook, very, 
very, very rare, maybe like three times a year, I write mm-hmm. on someone's wall, happy birthday. And even then I've started to try to be more personal. And like, if I see it on Facebook, I'll text them type of thing. Gotcha. But, yeah. yeah. What about you? I have, I honestly only ever log into Facebook when we, uh, when we record because, uh, little behind the scenes fact we don't we use facebook messenger to talk to each other through this which is very we don't random use discord <laughs> as like a lot of people use nowadays or skype and nothing like that we use facebook messenger we if i remember correctly experimented with discord and others and for some reason the sound will cut out more on those than facebook messenger so shout out to zuckerberg for keeping our podcast afloat but uh yeah i don't that's all you use it for is just this essentially pretty much and then like you know i get what what are the this used to be called the wall right like yeah yeah where, like your homepage oh no that was your feed and the wall Ooh. is your profile page where people leave comments but the feed used to be gotcha. the news feed but they dropped news because they wanted to de-emphasize it being taken over by random news websites and they wanted it to be more about people again so now it's just the feed yeah my it, feed's all disgusting yeah i feel like just honestly, some absolute crap on here Facebook these days feels a lot like the modern version of like AOL or Yahoo. Like there's a generation that's maybe a little older than us that uses it regularly. And there's a, an all and everyone has it. Like so many people had like AOL or Yahoo emails for so long. So they'll log, they'll see Facebook intermittently. Like they would, you know, they go AOL.com just get through their email. They go Yahoo.com just get through their email. We see it intermittently, but like it really does feel like this gener- like this the modern day AOL. Like the homepage that has a little of everything but mostly stuff you don't care about and all sensational headlines and just kind of brush past it if you're already Bill Collins bids farewell to fans as he performs his last ever show amid health battle. Is that real? I didn't know he had a health battle. Or just what Facebook's feeding you? Yeah. And I mean feeding into see see right now I have the I have the notification again, the little one. That to me, like it's not quite but that little one that feels like a it's such a I hate that and people do this with Google, too. You know how Google you fix that? Reckoning. You just turn it off entirely, but I still want real notifications. As well. No. I, I mean, what real notifications are you getting? Oh, I guess none. <laughs> That's true. Um, I guess I just turn it off by turning off the easy fix yeah. for, like Easy fix for that. Just uh, link yourself to the web page. Mm. Like, I've deleted Facebook off my phone. Like, I haven't had Facebook mm, on my phone for maybe about five years. Wow. I only I like if I need to log into Facebook for whatever reason, like on my phone, it will be through Safari. I will say Facebook's doing this with that icon. Other apps do it. Google does it or like people do it to Google. It kind of sucks that the Internet now and it's it's not just web pages because like games do this with all their monetization schemes. It kind of sucks that everything you go and do and like consume is like not like a dark pattern, but like has ulterior motives. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, like think about, like, the earlier mid-2000s where you're on the internet. She's like, oh, look at all this cool information and all these, you know, viral, there's a bunny with a pancake on its head or all your base are belong to us. Or, like, all those kind of, like, simple things. And there'd be, like, you know, college humor or, like, E-bombs world if you want to be a little edgy or whatever. And there'd be, like, it'd just be you consume content. But now everything on the internet is so geared towards getting you to, like, monetize to the maximum degree. Like, even if you search for something on Google, and this is something I'm sure a ton of people deal with like you have to and i think we might have talked about this before i don't remember but you have to like deal with so much fluff just to get to like what you're actually looking for like 
If you search a recipe, I don't. you don't need six paragraphs telling you about how this person's mom grew up in Italy and then brought the recipe over. It's just like, no, just show me how to make the lasagna. But they have to put it there because that demonstrates what's called EAT, which is eat, uh, er, expertise, authority, and trust, which is an SEO thing that Google encourages. So they need to show that they have valid expertise in this recipe by having seven paragraphs you have to scroll through just to get to the recipe or like like you know there's so many pages that are just link far it just it kind of sucks that the internet's so like clunky now in a way even though it's faster and more streamlined than ever the information is so clunky and like trying to use an app gets so clunky because they keep throwing things at you like well i think that's why everybody is leaning so heavy towards a like these ai search engines right so that you don't have to go through all that clutter so that you can get your answer as quickly and as i guess smartly as possible well smartly tbd on that they have to oh yeah ai be a little smarter but yes yes in concept absolutely yeah and i think you know, I think it, we were talking about this last episode, but I think that's also why so many people found Baldur's Gate 3 so refreshing is like it didn't have any of the like obstacles to get through just to enjoy the experience. It's not like battle passes or like DLC or like all this stuff you have to buy or like, oh, you want this? You got to do that. Like, it's just like, here's a game. Just like AI could be like, here's the information. Like we have like, I wouldn't call it information overload these days, but we have like, I, I guess it's not overload, but like information like bloat. Lack of a better term. I don't know. But everything seems so much harder to get to. Or get yeah, yeah to. I would say bloat. Yeah, yeah. bloat is probably the, probably the word that I would use. Yeah. But, and I know Google's like probably super worried about AI for exactly the reason you were saying, which is like, you know, if people could just get the answer quicker, how's Google, how you monetize that if you're Google, how do you put ads on that in a way that feels organic, how you catch up with chat GPT. So yeah, it's. Probably, we're probably at the cusp, I'm just rambling now, but we're probably at the cusp of like the biggest change in how people consume the internet in a long time, assuming AI takes off as everyone predicts it will. So that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, that's my, um, that's my internet rant. Thank you for tuning in. The internet rant with uh, Jason Rechtman. Yes, yes. That could be like your little segment on the uh, podcast. Yeah, uh, RIP Jason Sales Corner. Got a new one now. Yeah, R.I.P. Jason Sells Corner. You will be uh, missed by me. <laughs> people, there are two listeners. Undisc- there, there are two- dozens of us. <laughs> there are literally. I can confirm because I know them in real life. There are two people who, when I saw there them, are more would be never like, great sales corner people. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, more people in tight denim shorts than there are people who enjoy the sales corner. But for those who enjoy the sales corner, let me tell you, the switch just outsold the Wii's lifetime sales in the U.S. the other day. So there you go. Which is crazy. Yeah. You know what's really crazy? Which is insane. What's crazy to me is it took this long to do it in the U.S. because it outsold the Wii globally like a year ago in February of like 2022. Um, but because oh, the Wii was— That's even more insane. Like, I, didn't, I didn't know that Oh, part. yeah, yeah. It outsold the—see, that's what happens when you have Jason Sales Corner, Kevin. You're, you're missing vital information. Yeah, it outsold the world total, like the global total a year ago. But because the Wii was so big in the U.S., only now is it outselling the Wii, while um, what pushed the Switch forward was probably Japan, where they prefer Holy mobile crap. They prefer mobile, mobile systems in Japan in general, like handheld gaming for mm-hmm. when they commute. So Switch did better in Japan than it did in the U.S. compared to the Wii, so it pushed the global total. But now the U.S. has caught up on that total. Yeah. What's real crazy, it's less than a million away from Xbox 360. It's less than five million away from the PS2, which means... If Nintendo plays their cards right and does, you know, a price cut eventually, which they still haven't really done, um, this which could easily become the U.S.'s best-selling console of all time. 
which is wild. You know, like if you knock down the Switch Lite to like 100 bucks and the Switch OLED to like 200 when the Switch 2 is out or whatever and make those budget systems and do like a Nintendo Selects line where games are like 20 or 30 bucks a pop, it's going to be the best selling system of all time, pretty sure, in the U.S., which again, wild. So, Hold on, because I think... Yes? Hmm. Hmm. It looks like it just needs to overtake the DS and the Oh, DS for console? Yeah. yeah, or I should rephrase, not system, console. Yes, PS2 would be best-selling console, and I think best-selling system in the U.S. DS is best-selling system, like, game device ever. Yeah. It's a console, like... Yeah, I never I know understood that. not in that. the traditional yeah. sense, but, like, I, I wouldn't consider handheld systems. I, I would consider them self Oh, I meant the other way around. Like, if we're talking, like, Switch can become the best-selling system, it would have to overtake the DS. If it's becoming the best-selling console, it just overtakes PS2, which is behind DS. Yeah. Because mm. I think Switch is at, like, 130-ish million, and DS is, like, 152 million or something. So You know what's going to give that Switch a run for its money? The good old PlayStation portal i was about to say portable yeah can we talk about that now that it has a price because i distinctly remember you saying the only way this has any chance is if, if it's 200 dollars. and guess what price it was 200 dollars. to my <laughs> surprise sony actually pulled a w with the price i i was easy, i was so expecting that thing to be doa at 250 bucks yeah are, so are you are and, you but no the Instead, it's going it? to be DOA because the other crap that Sony likes to pull oh, with their yeah. uh, systems. Are you talking about the proprietary audio stuff? Oh my god! <sighs> we should we should explain it for folks who don't know. Um, do you want me to, or do you want to do the ours? Uh, I can explain it. Go uh, for PlayStation it. Portable. If you know what a PS5 controller, uh, the DualSense looks like, imagine that split right down the middle with an eight-inch LCD screen right in the middle. Um. It only does remote play directly to your PlayStation 5 and only does games that are downloaded or installed on that PS5. It does not do the cloud stuff that your PS5 can do, that your PC can do, that your PS4 can do, that hell, your Vita, I'm pretty sure, still has remote play. And uh, not like any smartphone with a PlayStation app. And yeah, (laughs) what a... It's so bizarre. Just confusing product. It's, it's Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan needs to go. Jim Ryan needs to go. You didn't even mention the weirdest part of it. So, to go hand in hand with this, they announced some new headphones, and they use a special audio format called PlayStation Link. It is not Bluetooth. It is a different low latency audio format that only two types of headphone currently support: an over ear headset that Sony's making and some earbuds that Sony's making. Other PlayStation branded headsets do not have Link and cannot work unless you plug a dongle. To get PlayStation PlayStation Link into your PS5 or your PC or your which, Mac or whatever. That's which the other piece. I will give them credit. They do have a headphone jack. Yes. So if you want wired, you're okay. But if yeah. you want wireless. If you they, want wireless. It's, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, here's the thing. Has there been, now I'm not up on my latency, honestly, because like I don't play a whole lot of stuff where it matters. Nintendo never is sitting there telling you about latencies and like, you know, the latency of your Splatoon 3 splats that, is not a thing That is say. the last company that should ever talk about exactly. latency. Exactly. So I'm a little out of the latency wheelhouse here, but Bluetooth latency doesn't seem bad. Like, why are they making it's PlayStation not, Link? It's definitely, so it's definitely not bad, but you could definitely see it. Okay. Like, when, okay. I, whenever I use my, uh, my, uh, my AirPods with my Steam Deck, oh, which is another, like, I, 
I have no reason to buy this thing since I already have a Steam Deck, but I could just install a third-party uh, remote play app. Uh, going back to, yeah, whenever I use my AirPods with my Steam Deck, there is, it's like off by like a fraction of a hair. Mm, okay. Yeah, so if they're it, doing it's like, like peak gaming it's not- experience, yeah. Yeah, it's it's noticeable. Uh, I was It's noticeable enough to be noticeable, but not enough to be like experience breaking. I got Experience you. shattering. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe and PlayStation like, Link has something to it then, a little. Sure, it has something to it, but not for $200. Not for $400 for a, a fully kitted out experience. If you want that fully kitted out experience, you're basically buying a second PS5. It's the same price as the discless. Discless. Exactly. I need to be clear with that wording. Discless, not a different word. <laughs> discless mm-hmm. model. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's so interesting that, like, ultimately, we had the Wii U. And the pitch of the Wii U in large part was what if someone else is using your TV or what if you all play in a nearby room? Well, here's a second screen on a controller. And then two companies went to very different directions with that premise. We got the Switch from Nintendo in one direction, and then we got now this PlayStation Portal in the other direction, which is basically the next step of what the original Wii U was, which is, all right, you still have, like, your hub console, but what if, like... You want to go two rooms over out of range? Or what if you want to be on someone else's Wi-Fi while your console's on your Wi-Fi? You can do that. Like, it's sort of like the next step of the Wii U that no one bothered to take until now, I guess. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It's just interesting how, like, they kind of forked the Wii U concept in very different directions between the two companies. Yeah, the... What perplexes me so much... I think I, I, I replied to, you know my my for you page on my on my twitter is just just all over the place nowadays excuse um, you i believe you mean on your x actually no. no i'm not correcting you it's twitter for always always and forever yeah um where like my personal beef with this thing is unless it's using a new proprietary way of connecting via remote play mm-hmm. to where the latency is practically not there i don't know who this product makes sense to if you have a steam deck which is a lot of people you can use uh i think it's called chiaki if you have a phone and a backbone which everybody has a phone nowadays a backbone you could find on sale for like maybe 70 bucks whenever it's on sale and they're playstation branded even if you want to pay ten dollars yeah and they have it (laughs) oh that too like they have a playstation branded backbone i i have the regular uh just like the regular standard version for my uh for my iPhone. But if the latency and the way of connecting is exactly the same way that it is on there, I just don't know who this product is for. Right. So it, it's I can do like... I, I can do anything that the portal does with my iPad mini, you know, often the same way that I, I could that I could with this PlayStation Portal thing. You can literally also hook up a dual sense to your iPad mini. Because iOS that supports, too? yeah, yeah, it like you know it's, it's interesting because it's, it's crazy. It I feel like Sony always does just weird hardware stuff in general, like not like Nintendo weird. Like Nintendo does weird hardware stuff where like you know it's a toy out of left field idea and they kind of make it work. Sony does like weird. I don't know how to describe. It's like weird high end. Like it, I can see shades of Sony kind of doing the Microsoft Xbox strategy these days of like we want you to be like what counts to us as a xbox user or a playstation user is you are consuming our games however you want it's like with xbox you know with game pass and everything they don't care if you're playing on a steam deck a xbox a pc 
your phone, like whatever it is, like we count the the people logging in and accessing these games as our core audience. Hardware is just one way to reach them. And I feel like Sony's kind of, sort of doing that with this. Like, hey, you want to play on your phone? You can play on your phone. You want to play on your iPad? You can play on your iPad. You want to play on a PlayStation portal? You can play on a PlayStation portal. But the part that I'm having trouble wrapping my head around is why would they make basically a flagship way to play on the go with the portal, but then have it be less featureful or have fewer features than using third-party devices? Like Xbox, right. at least, when they're like, hey, you know, the way to play is on Xbox Series X, but if you got to use a PC or you got to use Game Pass on, like, a phone or a tablet, sure, you can. But, like, the peak pinnacle experience is you want Xbox hardware for your Xbox games. And Sony's like, the peak experience, if you want PS5 on the go, is nothing we make. And we're going to make something for $200, but it won't be the best way to do it. But you can do it if you want. Like, it's just, it, it's weird. It's like sort of, feels like it's sidestepping the intention that they're trying to hit head on almost uh-huh so yeah i don't know i mean it also it's called portal and the back of it has a blue circle on it that looks a lot like the portal from portal like is that a coincidence that they kind of just sort of borrowed some i some visual and name stuff from valve a little there i'm sure it's just mm, a coincidence but maybe that's the first I thing mean, i thought of yeah there there is there is some hope for some cool homebrew stuff with this thing. But even then, like, it doesn't have a processor. It doesn't have any internal memory. It doesn't even run into its own software, apparently. Like, the when you boot it, it up... It runs on Android, yeah. Yeah, but when you... No, but I mean, like, when you boot it up, there's no, like, system menu you can access. All it does is beam over your PS5 system menu. Yeah, Wires, right? so... Which is, like, there's, like, not, there's barely anything there. Like, I don't even know if the Android it's running, if it has a test unit or if, like... They're putting this on top. Like, I have no idea how it's doing it, but um, there's, like, no UI <laughs> for the device itself or UX. Yeah, it's – I'm I'm hoping that there's something there, like I said, with homebrew. Right. But I'm not – I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm waiting for them to, like, surprise, you can do, you know, uh, cloud gaming on this thing too, but I thought that would be the big, woo, look at this, when they announced the price and the final name. It's not there. I don't know if it'll ever be there. I don't think so. I think they yeah. went out of their way to say that that this is not, not a yeah. cloud thing. So strange. Which, uh, like, who's the who's the one that has, like, a cloud gaming... Logitech. Logitech has a... has, like, an exclusive... Not, like, an... Well... They have some handheld that only does like cloud gaming. Oh yeah, the um, um, yeah, I know you're talking about. It's white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G Hub, something like that. Yeah, it's so interesting. There's like a whole like cottage industry of these sort of like portable PCs that kind of are using what the Switch successfully did, but doing it even more so because you can just run basically anything on them. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's yeah. Like yeah. I- yeah, I I love my Steam Deck. I've been playing a bunch of stuff on there. I've been playing uh, Armored Core, which I don't have. How is I that? I don't want to give any impression. I don't want to give oh, any impressions okay. of it. I I I'll, the impression the one impression I will give is that it's really good. I'm really liking it. I saw someone uh, make a mech that looks like a GameCube that turned into a transformer, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Like it's yeah, it's like chest um, plate is like the GameCube like disc cover thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a it's a very cool game. Um. But speaking of games that you can play on your phone, mm-hmm. Armor Core is not one of them. But <laughs> unless you remote play one day, 
Unless, unless you're a mobile. Um, yeah. Jason, you remember HQ trivia? I do, and I remember everyone being very obsessed with it for about a month, and then it wilted away. Yeah, uh, there's a documentary about that. Oh, uh, called Glitch: The Rise and Fall of HQ Trivia. That actually sounds quite fascinating. In all honesty, like I'm not, I, I'm not, I know it sounds sarcastic, but I mean, like that, that actually sounds really interesting. Is it like kind of the inner workings of the business and everything? It was it, so. It is a documentary uh, by CNN of all companies. Huh. Um, I remember like watching the trailers online. I was like really excited about it, and the documentary essentially came away like it was not available for streaming until about a month ago, and uh, it pretty much documents the rise and fall of HQ trivia about the. Uh, the two creators who I didn't know apparently were the creators of Vine. Interesting. And that kind of explains some of it. Like, I could see how Vine, the mindset of Vine, can lead into something like HQ. Right. And it's basically, you know, it follows these guys creating Vine, selling Vine to Twitter, mm-hmm. and then essentially trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Right. Right. They They right. caught lightning with Vine and then... Unfortunately, when that got sold to Twitter, it, it got killed off. And so it's all about these two, I want to say kind of neurotic, like CEOs that are essentially, according to this documentary, the two creators of Vine, uh, were like Russ and Colin. They were almost sort of rivals that didn't really like each other. It was almost like they were just straight up business partners and not, huh. and not uh, friends at all. Interesting. So yeah, so a lot of it is about like, like there's a, there's quite a lot of backstabbing in this thing, and I mean, spoiler alert. Unfortunately, the story has ended with one of them uh, passing away. Oh yeah, that's right. In New York, right? Mm-hmm. Like in his apartment, he was found. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He was found, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, was a heroin overdose. Right, right. Um, which like, was really, you know. Very unfortunate. It, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. it's very unfortunate. But, you know, it also follows the challenges that, you know, the the dag laddie, Scott Rakowski. <laughs> uh, right, right. The the face of, of, the literal face of HQ Trivia, like, follows how he came on board, how integral he was to everything hq um it was really I, I i love documentaries i don't know how you are with docs i love inside baseball of, of tech store like tech stories like this like i i haven't watched a ton of document actually some but yeah no i i really like this sort of like how these the rise and fall of these tech companies or like the story of how something you know like the obviously it was fictionalized but like the tetris movie like i really liked like the in half that movie is like copyright negotiations I was like, wow, this is great. Like, I, I actually do like that stuff a lot. So, yeah, I, I think I'd be very interested in this. Yeah, no, it's it's really, really good. Uh, from what I understand, it's a little bit biased. But I don't know what documentary isn't. Right. At, they all have like a point a of view. Yeah. Exactly. They they all have their own story to tell. Uh, no, but it's it's really well done. Um, it definitely... <laughs> it definitely does give you like a warm feeling of like man do you remember when everybody was playing hq 
yeah, when people yeah. would drop everything that they're doing, it's like, oh, it's 7 p.m. HQ's about to start. There were times that we'd be hanging out, like the group of – I remember if you were with us in the car any of these times. There were times that we'd be like hanging out and we'd be somewhere and it'd be like a Sunday and it'd be like, you know, four or five of us and we'd be about to leave. We're like, wait, HQ, and we'd all just sit in the car on our five separate phones all playing. And then at the end, they'd be like, okay, let's let's head home or okay, let's go back to what we were doing. It was like – yeah, it's kind of dystopian in a way, the way that everyone just stops, drops, and, like, tunes into this one man on their little screen in their pocket telling them things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, uh, there, there's, like, facets of this that I didn't realize were happening. Like, did you know that there was more than just one HQ game? Really? Yes. Wait, what do you mean? Made, like, 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 they... like, different apps or, like, different games simultaneously in one app? Like, different HQ apps. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was, like, three of them. Did you know that there was international versions of HQ? No. What? Watch the watch the documentary. It's I, insane. Yeah. It's I feel like HQ kind of was looking back now, seeing how everything I feel like that was like a tipping point for like when companies realize you don't need to be on TV to have like appointment viewing. Like mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean? Like even live stream like for example, uh, the, those Taylor Swift concerts. Did you know because of – this is one of the few t- times I'm like, wow, 5G is actually useful. Because every stadium in the country got 5G installed on it by Verizon because they're trying to show off how cool it is that they can have like 10,000 phones connected at once or 70,000 phones. Every single Taylor Swift concert is live streamed by fans. Oh, yeah. Thousands I, uh, upon there's, there's thousands. There's a picture that, that I watched that – was uh, streaming the entire thing on Twitch. Yeah, it's crazy. Like tens of thousands of people tune in. The fans together started making like per, like well-produced versions of these live streams where they'd have multiple camera angles. You'd be able to watch like three at once. They'd have like in, like an intro where they like have different like B-sides of Taylor Swift playing while you wait for the show to start. Like it's like a th- it's appointment viewing. It's no different than when you turn on ESPN and touch your, the sport you want to watch is about to start or whatever, but it's Taylor Swift shows. But it's all on people's phones. And like mm-hmm. I feel like HQ is like one of the first ones that like kind of figured out, you know, you can do the appointment viewing thing on your phone. And now people have obviously taken it and user gener- user content user generated contented it with stuff like the Taylor concerts. But like yeah, HQ felt to me always so crazy because it was like literally TV but in your pocket and interactive. And now, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Twitch streamers do it all the time. YouTube Live does it all the time. Nintendo Directs do it all the time. Everyone's used to this idea of tuning into some random web page or random app. But HQ is kind of at the start of that, I feel like, in many ways. So, yes. uh, definitely. Uh, but, like, well, definitely it was the, you could do appointment viewing on your phone. I don't know if you ever remember the Xbox 360 had a version of 1 versus 1 versus 100. 100. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always, always wanted to play that. The, oh, it was so so much fun. Because if I remember they had like daily quizzes and then every week would be like an actual live show. And it was always so interesting to like they had a host and everything with their actual avatar, you know, just ad-libbing on the spot. And oh, it would be so insane. It was like he would pull somebody, you know, from the 100 or whatever. Yeah. And then it'd be so funny. It's just like, oh, that person just got disconnected. And he'd have <laughs> to roll with it. He'd be like, oh, well, we lost that person. Let's go ahead and bring on another person, you know? So that was HQ before HQ, it sounds like. It, yeah. But, of course, yeah. it, you know, that had the disadvantage of having to be an Xbox 360 exclusive. Right. right. As opposed to 
everybody has a phone. Everybody has a smartphone. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because, like, the, 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 not the shadow that cast, but the, like, the legacy that created is, like, you know, every Fortnite concert, every Splatfest in Splatoon, every, like, all these sort of, like, every season in a game, like Marvel Snap or Call of Duty, like, all these sort of, like, appointment-based things you now do and all your things you consume it used to just be TV. Now it's like any sort of media right. has like this appointment-based thing, which, you know, double-edged sword probably. I mean, on the one hand, it is always fresh and interesting. Like Fortnite today is nothing like it was two years ago. But on the flip side, you blink and you miss it, and you can never go back and do it. <laughs> like it's not like it's, mm-hmm. you know, so. But yeah, I, yeah, I always but, uh, wanted to try one versus 100. That was one of the few times. There are a few times in the Xbox 360's lifespan that I was like, should I get a 360? Like I have a Wii, and you know, I'll, at the time everyone did the whole like, oh, you got to get like the Wii 60 pair. Like, everyone had a Wii and a 360. was kind of, they were complimentary. There were a couple of times I came very close to getting a 360, but I never actually pulled the trigger. But 1 versus 100 is one of those times, for sure. Yeah, well, the, you know, the live service 1 versus 100 was just... Man, I just remember going into Xbox 360 lobbies and, like, uh, voice chats with my friends and, you know, just trying to answer everything correctly. <laughs> ah, those... It was the same, like, fuzzy, like, warm feelings that I got while, like, playing, you know, HQ. It definitely brought up those memories. And I feel like if there was a time to ever bring back one vs. 100, it was at the peak of HQ mania. But, right. I mean, that right. came and went. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, how do you, like, I, I guess that explains why HQ had, like, so many different versions of HQ. But how do you maintain that? Because there's such a novelty factor, you know? Like... At some point, people check it out like, oh, this is fun. But by week 10, I can miss a game today. I'm busy. By week 12, oh, you know, I don't play as much. I mean, Wordle went through the same thing. Everyone was playing Wordle for like a good couple months during the pandemic. And then people slowly got tired of it. It still has a decade base, but it's probably much smaller than what it was in its peak. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like yeah. it's it's hard to innovate on a simple concept. You just, you know, without ruining and that's the actually, concept. And that's, yeah. and that's actually like something that's discussed in this uh, documentary. Oh, it's interesting. Sort of, sort of like a, a battle between one CEO that wants to expand while one just wants to perfect what they already have. So... What would you do in that yeah. situation? Would you expand or would you perfect? <sighs> oh, man. That's tough. Because while I understand the whole wanting to expand... Yeah. HQ was kind of a buggy mess. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah, you know, that's the that's the whole reason that that Scott got the nickname the 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 Dag Laddie, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I. I'm saying a... Dag Laddie on purpose. I know. He, I know it's the Lag Daddy, but he, a a lot of times would call himself the Lag Daddy himself. Yeah, yeah. I uh, what was I gonna say? I it is a tough question. I don't even know what I would do. I think. I think there's a difference between, and I haven't obviously seen it. Obviously, haven't seen it. But I think there's a difference between full perfection and just triaging it enough to get running smoothly, and then moving into new stuff. But yeah, I don't know that. I do not envy the position those CEOs were in, not one bit. Yeah, uh, highly recommend it. Glitch, the rise and fall of HQ trivia. It's on HBO Max. Uh, if you're also into, I will never call it just Max. Uh, if you're also yeah. into. Uh, like you said, if you're into the uh, you know, like technology documentaries, yeah, uh, the inventor, fantastic that, documentary on uh, 
uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Is that oh, name ring a bell? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Theranos? Um, yes, the uh, yes. Uh, blood company, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. Yeah. Yep. They, they have a fictionalized version of her story yeah, on the, Hulu the drop as well. Out, which yeah, the dropout. I saw the first couple of episodes, and I just couldn't see the rest of it for whatever reason. I just think the uh, the inventor is a much better... Mm. Uh, well, obviously, you know, the dropout is is sort of a dramatized version of real of life events, but yeah, uh, as if they didn't have enough drama fantastic. in the real version already with her like scamming a bunch of investors. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Also on uh, HBO Max, so that's what I got. Jason, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, if you're doing recommendations, why don't we talk about a recommendation you gave me a year ago that I finally followed through on? Hear that, listeners? Last time I was criticized for never taking anyone's recommendation, but I watched The Bear. I did it. You watched for The Bear? Both seasons. Very both good show. Seasons. Yes. The it... Bear? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go for it. What are you going to say? No, I, because I'm, I'm going to drop a bomb. So you go first. Oh, I just say, it. you know, you. I remember you saying it was one of the tensest shows you've watched, right? Like you put it up there with like Uncut, uncut Gems in terms of just how like tense you feel the whole time i got that vibe for sure in a lot of episodes but if that's something that people are like oh it's gonna be too stressful it has calmer moments it's funnier moments it, oh yeah, I yeah. Thought it's, it, yeah it's not a it's yeah. not a it's not un- uncut gems for however many hours yeah show lasts, exactly yeah. but it's a very yeah i thought it's a really well balanced really well done show has a lot of heart it was i mean it's has interestingly kind of a video game hook in the very first episode briefly um but yeah, I really what enjoyed the, what it. What's the name of that game? Oh, um, Ball Breakers, Ball yeah, Busters. Yeah, ball, ball Breakers, I think. Ball yeah. Breakers. It was clearly Mortal Kombat, but like you know, it was like a fake Mortal. According Kombat. to I, so I, my bombshell, I think the Bear season two, and spoilers for this year's quarantines, uh, I believe the Bear season two kicked Succession's ass in my mind, as far as what is the better season. And I, you know how much I love. Yeah, Succession. I was gonna say I, I that is high praise coming from you. Yeah, um, I have to stew yeah, on that I, a I little. Yeah, no, they're definitely uh, not stew because oh, well, we haven't even huh. talked about what the bear is. Right, we should we should back up. Uh, so the bear, do you want? You're the. I feel like you're the the bigger bear fan. Do you want? Yeah, just it? just quick rundown. Yeah. Uh, this world famous chef uh goes back to his hometown in Chicago to run this Italian beef uh like sandwich shop. Literally called beef. Is called the beef. Yep. Uh which is based off of a real place called Mr. Beef, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, he goes back to his hometown in Chicago to run this Italian beef sandwich shop that was run by his older brother who recently just passed away uh after taking his own life. And the first season essentially is you know the the trials and tribulations that this uh that the chef, whose uh, name is Carmen, uh, Carmi for short, uh, has to, like, undertake, you know, whether it's getting his new employees to respect him, the challenges of coming into a failing business, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the personal struggles that he has having to run, you know, this this restaurant that was run by his brother, who he clearly, clearly loved. Um, yeah. Which you you definitely see that in the, in the the second season. Oh yeah. And like the you know the emotional toll that it takes for him 
to try and run this shop. Uh, all while being really funny at the same time. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some great characters. Um, like like, and I mean, there's some that are just straight up conquer leaf, like Fack. Yeah, uh, Fack. Yeah, he's 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 great. Um, but yeah, which Fack is a uh, he's an actual like restaurateur. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like he owns a couple of restaurants. Interesting. Yeah, I I figured they must have some real like foodies on the show in the show in different ways because like the food looked amazing throughout the show like they knew like they they mm-hmm. they did their research or they had the right people because yeah it looks uh, every episode i just like i want to eat that I, that almost like to help like bring me down from any of the nerve like episodes where it was too like crazy or intense was just like look at that food that looks so good like it's almost calming without having to eat it in a way when they'd show the shots of the food but yeah so season one yeah. like you said is basically him sort of finding his footing and the dynamics of him and the staff of this filling restaurant and season two as a lot of shows do expands it out so now like a lot of staff get their own kind of little side stories and like almost like mini vignettes at times there's one staff yeah who... like side quests <laughs> yeah yeah literally it's like side quests yeah like one one goes to um copenhagen um, and the mm-hmm. whole like two thirds of the episodes in Copenhagen. It's very similar to if if you've watched Ted Lasso or anyone out there has watched Ted Lasso. There's an episode where they go to Amsterdam and like the whole episodes in Amsterdam. I feel like these TV show crews are just like, where should we go in Europe for vacation and just like take the show with them? Um, right. Yeah. But so there's like that, and then there's like other stuffs doing other things. But so season two felt more like a like I, season one to me felt kind of, and they were both great. To be clear, I love them both. But season one to me felt more kind of like a very linear story that was just chopped up into episodes. And season two felt like a fully like all-encompassing TV show with different characters with A plots and B plots and C plots mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And I was kind of, it's kind of interesting watching back to back to see the show go from basically what could have been a miniseries into like a full-blown like, no, we're like a real full TV show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like that first season, I that show could have ended after the first season. I totally would have been satisfied. Yeah, yeah. I uh, thought it was really strong that season. Yeah. But then I like going through all season two, I think absolutely justified its existence and even mm-hmm. surpassed season one, in my opinion. Um, especially that, it, that sixth episode, the, the flashback episode. Yeah, I was about to say. Also, uh, the with uh, that, Seven Fishes episode. Yes, and without spoiling anything, throughout the show, but especially that episode, I kept going, this person's in it? Wait, this person's oh, yeah. in it? Wait, they're in it? Wait, they're in it? Like, it was, it was like, I think there are like 10 instances where I'm just like, How'd they get this person to be in this? Like, I mean, was, yeah. that that episode that I'm talking about, uh, yeah. the Seven Fishes episode, which I believe is the sixth episode of season two. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just cameo after cameo. And but it's it funny because... It feels it, organic, it's li- though. Like, it doesn't feel yeah, too... Yeah, but it's it's literally cameo after cameo where... Yeah. Where it's, uh, it's just characters walking in through a door, and it's like, oh okay, you're playing this character? Okay, oh, you are also here. And, oh, I wasn't expecting you. And eventually you're like, wait, what is John Mulaney doing in the <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was exactly, exactly, because, like, we were watching and we were just like, oh, sure. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, uh, sure. John Mulaney. Like, it was yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and he did what he needed to do. He was like, he played exactly what the person he needed to play in that. Like, it was good. But I oh, yeah, he was, he was he was playing John Mulaney. Like, yeah, yeah, he was John know, he was, Mulaney. He was playing he was a, little, like, a little bit more subdued John Mulaney, but he was absolutely yeah. playing himself. Yeah, that. and I mean, John Mulaney's great. So, yeah, I was, I was super on board with him being there. But, um... Yeah, you, the, the thing I thought was kind of funny with the show in general, especially in season two, is you could tell when it's going to be a super good episode because they don't do the normal intro. <laughs> like, I don't oh, know if you sure, noticed that. Yeah. Whenever they do a different format for the start, 
either they just flash the logo or they put opening credits or something. It's like, oh, this is like going to be movie quality opposed to TV quality. And like every time. Yeah. Yeah. Like the uh, the seventh episode of the first season review, which is. You know, one long take. Yeah. For which, the full you know, they, 20, they, they do, it's they like do 22 the, minutes they do the cuts. Yeah. But, you know, they, they do the smart cuts, but it's supposed to be all one long take. Yeah. And that episode is stressful as hell. Oh yeah, that's a that's the one that felt closest to Uncut Gems to me. That is like, oh really? You didn't feel that the Seven Fishes episode was it in a? I don't know. Spoiler I alert: haven't... Jamie Lee Curtis is uh is in that episode, and she puts on a show. A, sh- a show. <laughs> she puts man. on what, what? What are the critics say? She put on a clinic. Like yeah, that yeah. was yeah. Like, which I wouldn't be surprised if she wants to like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like guest appearance. Uh, guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, she was great in it. But yeah, no, Seven Fishes for me, maybe because I haven't like been in, and I'm not saying you have either, but it, it felt more removed in terms of like I haven't been in a scenario that is that tense with fan because I don't have a big family, so I'm never like in those scenarios. So for me, I was just like okay. watching from the outside, and I was just like, oh, this seems crappy, like for them to mm-hmm. be in in the moment. But like review, um, the idea of like you know the 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 pressure cooker of the situation, the time limits they were working under, like that, I felt I could relate to more. So it stressed me more as a result. Um, not that I've ever cooked in a restaurant, but you know, just the idea of like you have this limited time and all this stuff and things are unraveling in real time. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that episode review, if I'm not mistaken, besides obviously being one long cut, well, obviously because it's one long cut, it's basically minute for minute exactly how it would unfold for real life. Like it was twenty oh, minutes yeah, straight yeah. of exactly the chaos that could ensue. Um, and then they kind of like mirrored it a little in the first half of the second season's final episode. Not a full, the whole episode wasn't, um, I mean, it was the second last episode, I don't remember, but the whole episode wasn't acting like it was a single take, but the first 10 or 15 minutes of it, they did almost exactly the same format, which I thought was kind of, oh, cool the, uh, when they opened, the, yeah, yeah, when they opened, yeah yeah, 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 oh, yeah, it definitely felt like that. And what I really like about, what I really love about that episode is that. You know, you had your front of the house where everybody's dining. Mm-hmm. That you know, very you know the you you're hearing music that you would hear at a restaurant like that. It's very calming. But as soon as you go back into the uh, into the kitchen, it's hectic as as yep, all yep. hell. Like, and they and they did a great job with the sound edit there too. When the door, when they'd walk through the door from the front to the back, oh yeah, and they it sounds like, like, like a tunnel like transporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's such a well-done show. And you could tell that the, they're, like it's a passion product because they, they really love – there was one episode I think in season one where it almost felt like a send-up to just Chicago. It's in Chicago as I think you were saying before. But um, just like it felt like kind of a send-up to the city in a way and they do so many shots of the city and like – yeah, I feel like this is definitely a labor of love for those involved, of, of labor of – or love of food, love of Chicago, like all of it. Yeah. Um, Who was your favorite character of the show? Oh, man. Uh, you know who really I thought, like, I did at first. I was like, oh, he's kind of like whatever. But by the end, um, oh, my God, I forgot his name. Uh, Carmi's cousin, the guy that. Richie. Richie. Yeah. I really yeah. liked Richie's. I thought Richie's arc in season two, without spoiling anything, was I really loved what they did with the character. And it's perfect for me. Yeah. Just, I, that was. Yeah. He might his, be my favorite. Uh, I, I don't know how to say I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think. Ebon or Ebon, I'm not sure. But, oh, the uh, actor. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Either. But uh, <laughs> Richie's arc in season two, it's... especially he gets his own episode. Yeah, and I think that's probably the best episode of the entire series, in my opinion. I um, wouldn't disagree. I don't think I'd have to think about that. But no, his I really love that episode. 
and that episode has a hell of a cameo at the end as well. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. This show it it, it keeps and it also has the show also has probably some of the best needle drops that I've seen mm, in the mm-hmm. TV series. And a lot of like, Wilco, like, like, like Richie's episode itself has, <laughs> yeah, and like Richie's episode itself. That that needle drop of love story by Taylor Swift. Oh yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah, that was it was perfect. Like, yeah, the the, the thing that I think I like the most about the bear is every time you think you kind of have a grasp of okay, they're going in this direction. Even if they go in the direction you think they're going, they do it in a way that surprises you. A little. Yeah, there's always going to yeah. be it, it, something is will in every episode. Well, obviously, this being a TV show, it needs conflict. Of course, every episode. <laughs> Whatever conflict you think will happen in the episode, the conflict will actually be ten times worse than yeah, yeah. whatever you think. And similarly, uh, when you think things will just resolve and that'll be it, it turns into some of the most heartwarming. You know, like when they had like the family meals at the end of the day and stuff. Like there are a couple times I just like, wow, this is really like sweet and touching, and like the show really hits all mm-hmm. the emotional beats. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like you know, said, it's really is... fun to say yes, chef, and heard chef, and yes, chef, and cousin. And... Yeah. yeah, that one. Okay, that one. Rachel and I are debating about. Do people actually call their cousins just cousin? Is that a thing? Well, that's the thing. They're not cousins. I thought they were cousins. No, they're not cousins. They they bring that up all the time. Oh, yeah, you're right. Huh. Yeah, they're not cousins at all. They're not related. They grew up together, but they're not Right. Related. That's right. And that's why it's the two sets of them at the... Yeah, that makes sense. At the, mm-hmm. at the family den. Okay, yep. Yeah, like, well, uh, nonetheless, do people say cousin? Uncle Cicero. <laughs> right. Their Uncle Cicero isn't really their uncle, and they they bring that up all the time. Right, right. Somehow that went over my head now that you mention it. Yeah. They do bring it up all no, the yeah. time, which makes it even sillier that I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, so that's why, that's why I think cousin does make sense, even though it logically doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, obviously, they're not cousins, but... Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it's but uh, yes, yeah, Chef is, is definitely... The thing that is not in like the vernacular now, but like if you are a fan of TV, you will most likely understand what Yes Chef means. Oh yeah, and it's funny because this and the menu, the movie, the menu came were like both around the same time, and they say Yes Chef all the time in the menu too. So like Yes Chef is having a cultural moment as a phrase. Heard mm-hmm. Chef a little less so, but I did see a post somewhere. I was reading some people's impressions, and they were like, "Yeah, anytime my cat sneezes now, I just say Heard Chef when I hear them." I was like, yeah, yeah. I, should, I should have my cats. <laughs> it's like, heard. But yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be, unless something, I don't I don't know what other TV there is. There's not. Or like, what what else is supposed to be? Oh, yeah. There's so, not much, especially at the strike. This will, yeah. this will most likely take my, uh, my favorite TV show, TV season. Right. Um, and to be fair, there's some, there Sorry, is some cool. There is some stuff that's lighter fare that I'm having fun with. The After Party Season 2, Only Murders in the Building Season 3. But yeah, nothing's like prestige in the way that the bear sort of fell into being. Even though, like the first season feels so small in production and small in scale and scope. And then Season 2, you could see they got that prestige TV budget all of a sudden. Um, Oh yeah, like like you said, the the trip to... uh... To Copenhagen. Yeah, not just that, but which, even the sh- Which also has its own crazy cameo. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. I forgot about that. But, yeah, um, as I say, even the, the shots of Chicago in season two, like, they're, like, doing more drone shots. They're doing, like, shots that, like, spin and turn. Like, you could tell they had, like, even more budget just for the, like, setting scenes. Like, it was, mm-hmm. yeah, they, the show got the money it deserved, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the bear. I, 
season three, fingers crossed, like I can watch this show forever. Yeah, the characters are just so they, they there's such good chemistry between the characters too. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like it feels really organic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd happily I watch it. Hope to see three. more. Yeah, same. Hope, same. Hope to see more. Get on it, FX slash Hulu slash Disney. Yes. It's like a Russian nesting doll of like production companies there. Yeah. But yeah. Um yeah. Let's see. Let's see. What else we got? We have an ode to a legend. Ah, yes, yes, indeed. It's uh, a sad, a sad week. He's not dead, but he's not dead. <laughs> That's true. He's probably quite content, but um, yes. So a week ago, Nintendo very unceremoniously just put out an image in a tweet. It was just like, uh, yeah, Charles Martinet is no longer doing voices for us. He will instead be a, quote, Mario ambassador, and they'll have a video coming out soon. I'm guessing in the Nintendo Direct that they had just announced today that goes out on Thursday, where Miyamoto and Charles Martinet will do a bit of a video send-off. But yes, the voice of Mario, for the first time since he had a voice in the games, is uh, no more, is changing, which is kind of wild. Quite the run. Yeah, it's he first did the voice, if I'm not mistaken, in like 1993 for some promo videos and trade shows, or they you could like talk to Mario on the floor of CES or whatever. Um, and then obviously Mario 64 was where he did it for the first time in game, and he's been doing it ever since. Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, Baby Mario, Baby Luigi, Mario's dad in the Mario movie, uh, the Jumpman playing guy at the beginning of the Mario movie, whose name I guess is is. Giuseppe or something like that. He's done a lot of characters. Um, so yeah, it's quite a run. Kind of abrupt, but maybe not too surprising if you think about like the timing with the Mario movie and, and Mario Wonder looking to be sort of like a, almost like a soft reboot of what like a 2D Mario can be. Like this would probably be the time because here's the thing about the Mario voice to me. It's great. It's iconic. His one-liners are fun. Talking to Charles Martinet either when he's pretending to be Mario and like a, through a screen or like when you talk to him in real life as a real – as just Charles Martinet. Like he can carry a conversation in that voice and it's great. But as I think we were saying when they cast Chris Pratt in the movie, whether or not you like Chris Pratt, you can't have 90 minutes of just like, Mamma Mia, it's a me, oh, pizza pie. Like you can't – it would just get grating. And I suspect now that Mario's gone from being a player avatar – in the same way Link was, and that's why Link is silent, because he represents you, to being a kind of full character who has thoughts and emotions and motivations and things in the Mario movie, I think Nintendo's starting to see a chance to sort of bring a little more of Mario as a character, opposed to Mario as an avatar, to the games. And I would guess that's in part why, now, of all times, is when Charles Martinet... Whether he chose to leave on his own or was waiting for Nintendo to kind of give him the signal or what, I imagine that's why it's happening when it is. Because I would guess that while Mario Wonder may not have him speaking, you know, full, like, tomes of dialogue or something, I would imagine he's going to be a little more chatty in Wonder. And I would imagine as the games keep moving forward, he's going to get chattier and chattier and start to actually talk in cutscenes and start to actually be more of a oh. character, like, in the second biggest movie of the year and second biggest anime movie of all time, the Mario movie. Like, that's kind of the character now is Don't to know an how extent. I feel about that. 
Yeah, I, 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 that's just I my like suspicion. my my Mario, my game Mario, and my movie Mario the same way I like my uh, church and state. Okay, separate but equal. Separate, <laughs> separate but equal. That's a great way to put it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but like looking at. And again, there's going to be a, a dedicated Nintendo Direct for Super Mario Wonder on Thursday morning. This goes up Wednesday morning. So, you know, speculating off one day, you know, in the one day window before we get. My guess is Mario Wonder looking at what they're doing with like power ups and like kind of playing with the imagery and, and the visuals and moving away from the new Super Mario Brothers look. My guess is this is going to be the most like new thing they've done with 2D Mario not new as in the series, but new as in like different um, thing they've done at 2D Mario in a long time. And my guess is that they were to ever move in a direction, whether it's more voice or not, that this, this is that time to do it. So yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to do full like dialogue, dialogue that quickly. I mean, even in the trailer where people thought they noticed it wasn't Charles Martinet talking, he still is wahooing and yahooing and, you know, doing the usual Mario sounds. But just, you know, if there's like a Mario RPG or something, like not Super Mario RPG, that's a remake that's coming out too soon. But if there was like, I don't know, a new Mario and Luigi in a few years, maybe Mario talks. Maybe Mario has dialogue when he's engaging with these various characters. Who knows? But like this sort of opens the door to that because you can't really do that with Charles Martinet's voice, which is not a knock against Charles Martinet. That's not the direction for the character at the time. And he nailed what the character was for, you know, for what, 30, almost... 30 years uh oh god that's crazy yeah 30 years 1993 till 2023 but um yeah oh god i just realized that's how long i've been alive oh i've been alive even longer so i feel your pain and then some yeah but it didn't hit me until right now (laughs) yeah until we qualified it that way but yeah i i I would i would think that um i mean martinet's not like retiring fully he's becoming this mario ambassador he's been doing the convention circuit for a number of years now we've met him or i've met him have you ever met him kevin i have not met him okay he's super nice but yeah i've met him back in like 2012 and he's been doing the convention circuit ever since um so he'll continue to do that and still represent mario and still be the wahoo yahoo guy but i think for what nintendo's trying to do with the character this is the pivot point so we'll see if i'm right i'd happy to be you know separated churches daisy but it could be wrong could be very wrong but Seems kind of arbitrary to switch him out now if that's not the direction it's going in. And obviously, like I said, he's still healthy in every... Like, Martinet's still doing great. Charles Martin's still doing great if he's, like, becoming the brand ambassador and going to all these conventions. So, I don't know. We'll see. But he's also not voicing Wario in uh, Move It when it comes out in November, in WarioWare Move It. So, it is a clean break in general. And actually, Wario... They started giving full dialogue to with I think WarioWare Gold or maybe the last WarioWare on uh put together or keep it together or whatever it's called get to get together on Switch. Um, he did start doing more full sentence dialogue in Wario's voice. It's a little easier, but yeah, I don't know. It's Wait, is that kinda... his last game that he that he voiced any? No, well he records new little ad libs for all the games, so I I would guess his last one, whatever the last Mario, maybe like. 3D World plus Bowser's Fury? No, that can't be right. Maybe a Mario well, Party I'm, Super I'm saying, Mario Party? I'm saying like last full release by Nintendo. Was it get it? Is oh. it going to be Get It Together? Maybe. No, he. I think Super Mario Party came after that, and he did ad-libs in that. So Super that, Mario Party or Superstars? Uh, Superstars, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know, actually. Let's, let's look this up. Let's go backwards. Did Superstars come out like two years ago? 
Yeah, but uh, and get it together can't last year. Jesus. Not. Yeah, you might be right. It could be get it together. Which I mean, again, if 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 he's going out with the most dialogue for Wario he's ever had, that's that's cool. Like that's a way to go. I'm okay with that personally. Uh, yeah, get, get it together, together came, came out in 2021. Right, right. Uh, so what came out last year that had Mario in it? Because that would be oh Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope. I don't. That might be one where I don't know if you record a custom dialogue for it. They might have just reuse. I could be wrong. But he usually does new ad libs. Um, I will say though about Charles Martinet as a person, he's gonna be a great Mario ambassador. I don't know what Mario ambassador means exactly, except he goes to conventions and does the voice and meets people. But he's gonna be great at it because he is the nicest guy like i know i've taught i know we've used throughout the years anyone's listened to us for a while knows we had him record us he's very kind enough to record us um a custom ram nintendo intro when we were still ram nintendo we're not gonna play it again we played it enough over the years but um just interacting with him then seeing him at other conventions and stuff since like he has this energy to him like he you meet him and he just immediately is like doing the voices and like talking to you and like bantering between the different characters while talking to you and like looping you in. It's it's just like he has, like, this infectious, like, excitement about being these characters that's really fun to be around. And he's, like, super appreciative of the fans. I remember when we lined up to meet him in 2012. Uh, this was at Comic-Con. So when Nintendo had their gaming lounge at the Marion, we were all, like, kind of in line outside the lounge. He walked the entire line and just thanked everyone for coming. And this was, like, a couple hundred people deep, probably. Or maybe, like, 150. But he, like, walked the whole line. Even though we were about to go meet him inside, he, like, came out walked it, thanked everyone, went back in, and then met us all one by one and recorded, you know, the intro. And Elvis got, like, a voicemail as Wario and, like, stuff like that. Um, He's just a super nice guy and just so, like, happy to be doing what he's doing and connect with fans who like his work and stuff. Like, it's really cool. Like, he's not at all jaded by anything. He's, like, literally the nicest guy. So the fact that he still gets to go do that and meet fans and continue to be that super nice guy is a nice... I don't know if it's an olive branch Nintendo gave him so they could let him down easy if they're moving in a different direction, or I don't know if it's something he requested. I, I don't know how it got there, but the fact that he Well, we still don't know whether, whether he requested nice. to step down or That's Nintendo the thing. has to yeah. step down, right? Yeah, so. my, my guess is Nintendo probably. He, there's a quote a long time ago that he basically said he'd love to do Mario until he dies or until he's physically unable. If he's doing convention circuit, he's still physically able, I would assume. But, yes. um, yeah, so Nintendo, it's probably Nintendo going in a different direction. But nonetheless, the fact that, like, even if they sort of let him down easy with this, like, side hustle of, like, you could be an ambassador. Like, the fact he still gets to interact with the fans and, and had those connections is really cool because he seems to, certainly seems to love it from what I've witnessed. So, better than nothing. Better than nothing. But the, I guess the question becomes, who would be the new Mario? Like, is it going to be a no-name? Is it going to be, could be it's us? AI? Could, is it going to be, I guess it could be AI. That's interesting. That might that Which I I could have sworn I saw somewhere online saying that it wouldn't the uh, his voice is a uh, like an actual recorded not AI. Uh, okay, well that's good in a way because I feel like like the thing with AI voices to me is they're pretty good, but you can kind of tell they're not the same. Like they don't there's like a flatness to them, even if they have like expressiveness. They're still kind of a weird like it's like dead in the eyes, but for the voice. You know what I mean? Like uncanny yeah. valley, but the voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious how they go about picking, like, are they even going to announce it? It could be like someone, they're like, this is the new Mario, or they're just going to, like, put a game out and someone will see in the credits, oh, it's John Smith, okay, congrats, John Smith, you're Mario. Like, is it going to be a thing, or are they going to try and make him as much of a, like, part of the Nintendo sphere as, like, Charles Martinet was? I don't think you was? can. What was that? I don't think you can, unless yeah. they're, yeah, I just, I just don't think you can make that person a 
a thing like Charles Martinet. There's also an element where I don't think Nintendo wants to. I yeah, like that. I think it's a couple of things. It's mix of they don't want to because you already have your Mario ambassador. Yeah. Two, would John Smith really want that? Like having to follow? Like hell no. Like yeah. Unless it's like Charles Martinet's brother, but Chucky Martinet. You know, like like you know like uh, you know how like Tom Hanks' brother does all of Woody's voices, right? And like everything but the official movies. Right, right. You know, he he gets all that money and like you know the fame, which is probably not a bad combo. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's why I feel like would John Smith really want that? You're nah, probably just, right. Just get the bag, and don't and have to deal with the uh, with the fame. Be the Daft Punk of Mario voices. You're just you know behind, who yeah. is behind the face, who are behind the helmet. You'll never know. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like Nintendo. I mean, for them, they also, they got lucky that Charles Martinet's a super nice guy, because if it was someone that had, like, and he, if you follow Martinet on Twitter, he has some mostly, totally, completely sane political views, but he does get a little, you know, about, like, oh, no. like good to, no, 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 not, like, atheist okay. political, but he's big on, like, equal rights, he's big on, like, inclusivity okay. and stuff like that, which is great, but what if Nintendo hires a new Mario and the dude has a Twitter and off he goes, a yeah, essentially. So I have to imagine. And Nintendo's been moving away. There is a period there in, like, the Wii era, Wii U era, where Nintendo was really big on, like, propping up all these different people at the company. Reggie, uh, you know, Miyamoto, obviously, uh, Anuma for Zelda, Dickie Kono for Mario Kart, uh, Kit and Krista would host their weekly Nintendo, min- uh, yeah, Nintendo Minute videos. Uh, there's, like, tiers of, like, different... Iwata when he was still around. Uh, there was, you know, this kind of like Nintendo's represented by this uh, Bill Trennan. Like Nintendo's represented by like this sort of collective of a few people. And like, if you know, these are the personalities of Nintendo and they completely dropped that. Like my, minus Miyamoto and sometimes Anuma and Sakurai when he was doing Smash Bros. Um, the like Doug Bowser post Iwata era of Nintendo does not really shine a light on any people it's like this is nintendo we are the entity nintendo they you know they'd like when splatoon first came out or like when arms came out they'd like trot out the public like producers of the game and they'd be like the kind of spokesperson they wear outfits like the arms guy wear like a like a cool like sporty t-shirt with the arms logo or like mm-hmm. you know and they like made like this like cult of personality almost around these people where it's like oh yeah we're gonna connect on a personal level and charles martinet slotted right into that is like he's mario they don't do any of that anymore. And I have to imagine part of it's because they want to be monolithic like Nintendo and part of it's they want to avoid the milkshake duck situation with anyone ever. So if they were to not ever make the new Mario voice actor a big deal, that would line up exactly with how they treat things now. Uh-huh. And, I, and I'm sure some of it's also because they don't want to deal with the legacy stuff, right? Because, like, you know, Reggie leaves Nintendo. He's a big personality. He writes a book about his time at Nintendo. Kit and Krista leave Nintendo. They were big YouTubers for Nintendo. They have their own podcast, their own YouTube videos, etc. And they talk inside baseball about Nintendo. And I'm sure Nintendo wants to keep things. Not that anyone's violating NDAs, but I'm sure the less inside baseball that's told after people leave Nintendo because they're still big personalities that Nintendo created, probably the better from their perspective. So I have to imagine that's another part of it of why they maybe wouldn't put a spotlight on whoever the new Mario is. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, come Thursday, I'm very curious of when this direct happens, which I'm very excited for because I'm very excited about Mario Wonder. It looks well, really it happens fun. Thursday. Yeah, 
But um, I was just saying tomorrow, if you're tomorrow by the time you're listening, yeah, but most people here is a prior happened. But let me tell you, I'm very excited to see what this game turns into because it looks like someone at Nintendo gave him the green light to go crazy with this game, like drop formulate Mario, do random weird stuff, and I'm very, very interested to see just Miyamoto how like finally tried weed. Yeah. Oh, you don't think he's ever tried it in, in the video games where you like eat mushrooms and like stomp on turtles and bushes come to life and they're called Goombas? Or like not really bushes, but bush sprites. Like he's definitely partake in in. I think I think that was when he dropped. <laughs> not a. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Not weed. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Uh, they're literal. But, oh, I was gonna say there's literal mushrooms. Wonder seeds. Yes, wonder seeds. Yes, you you have a wonder seed, and the world gets all trippy and hallucinogenic. Yep. But I'm very curious. Uh, maybe, to see just maybe he dropped how, this time. Maybe. Maybe he did shrooms that time, and now he's he's upgraded, or whoever's producing the game is uh, upgraded to acid. And because they're doing heavy drugs, Nintendo doesn't want them to be public figures, and that's why we don't get Charles Martinet anymore. It all comes together. Oh. But uh, yeah, no, I'm very curious to see what the game looks like when that direct hits, because like it looks like they're having so much fun with it. It feels kind of like there's a lot of Switch games where Nintendo like took liberty and just like you know what, like Switch is selling this game will sell. Let's just go crazy with it. Like you know, Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild. Pikmin 4. There's a sense of whimsy that I was sorely missing from a 2D Mario. Yeah, like the new series was fine, and I really enjoyed playing them, but it was very cookie-cutter. Too too sterile Sterile. for me. Yeah. And in the moment that they came out, I was just so excited to have new Mario that I kind of overlooked it, but looking back at those versus some of the wacky stuff that you see in, like, Mario 3 or Mario World, yeah, it's definitely... You know, there wasn't a situation in the New Super Mario Bros. series where there's one level. They're like, we're just going to introduce this one enemy this one time, and that'll be the only time you ever see it. <laughs> like, but the other games used to do that. I bet you this one will do that. But, yeah, the new series did not do that. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, Charles Martinet, well, thank you for your service for 30 years. You will be missed. Yes, sir. You will be missed. And don't miss the random or nintendo podcast when we come back in two weeks beautiful segue yes and we'll have angel presumably if we ever find him in the woods if we find him or if he finds himself what if he just did drugs what if he did ayahuasca what if this was like the desert like aaron Rodgers? what if this was like a walkabout that he went on maybe that's where he is and he'll just sort of wander back there there was one day where where uh I forgot how we got to talking, but we're like, Angel, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just walked to, you know, I just came back from Toys R Us. I walked all the way from my house. I'm like, that is like the walk from miles. his house to Toys R Us. W- way, way more than that. <laughs> yeah, he likes like, to yeah, walk. You madman. He does it a little less now, but he definitely enjoys very long walks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I very, very to long him. walks. Like, I, I, the thing that gets me a walk is Pikmin Bloom. Um, but I don't just like walk long. You'll I do walk it for until fun. I walk. I walk until Pikmin Bloom tells me I've walked enough to do whatever I needed to achieve, and then I stop. <laughs> Angel will just keep yeah. going. If you don't stop Angel, he will walk us into the ocean, under the ocean, up in Europe, and then back around Asia, back to America. He will do the whole globe in one go. And maybe that's where he is right now. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's not doing ayahuasca. Anyways, maybe just uh, on a very long stroll. Yes. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter. We'll always be Twitter. I refuse yes. to call it X ever. <laughs> did you see Elon got booed at the uh, Valorant? I did. <laughs> and they all chanted, bring back Twitter. And it made me, if that warm, fuzzy feeling you're describing about HQ trivia and 1 versus 100, 
when they were chanting bring back bring back twitter that's how i felt yeah yeah um but yeah uh you can follow us on twitter at random nintendo individually i am uh kvn gomi jason is jsr7 angel doesn't get a plug he's not here kidding Angel, well, does Angel really even use Twitter? He doesn't anymore? use Twitter. I like how every time we close the show, now we have this debate about Angel's Twitter. Uh, yeah, he hasn't really used Twitter anymore, but he's on Instagram at World of Wero, with an S. If you want to see illustrated versions of what he used to tweet, like his Twitter thoughts are now illustrations, or his new mixed media format where he illustrates himself as his little Wero bird icon doing a thing in a real photo. Quite innovative. Yeah, but sometimes he's also in the photo. Oh, then it gets weird. Yeah, is it a small? Is it an alternate personality? Is it like? Is it like a? Uh, is it like that movie Split? Or is it like literally? Are there two of them? Did he clone himself? Is there a bird version of him? Are is we Elvis, the ones on ayahuasca? Are we the Who ones? Knows, on man. Yeah, maybe Mario Wonder is actually really sterile, and we just are on drugs. Oh man, that'd be a trip. <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy if we buy the game and suddenly it's just new suit Mario Brothers Switch and it looks exactly like the others, and we were just like, wait, what? And it turned out we were on like a five month drug trip. Five months, years at this point, <laughs> be close to a decade. Be over yeah, a I decade. Guess, when I did, guess. Yeah. When did three D Land come out? Or uh, no, not three D Land. When did New Super? New the Super original was two thousand six on the DS. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Oh no, that's just we. Two thousand six was the first on the DS. Oh boy! I will bet you money. Ago. May two thousand six. If you want to look it up. Yeah, it's May two thousand six. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's sad and impressive. Jesus Christ. It's both sad and impressive that I knew that so well. I had no hesitation about that month and that year. Well, that does it for this episode. (laughs) Uh, Jason, take us up. Uh, Mr. Martinet, thank you. 